0: My name is Tamara Gober, and I'd like to personally welcome you to the Hope Community Podcast. Before we begin, if you live in the New York City area and are looking for a church home, I'd like to take this time to invite you to our services. For time and place, check out our website, hopecommunitynyc.com. Again, thanks for listening. We hope you are encouraged by this message, and we truly pray you walk away looking more like Jesus. Well, if you guys want to grab your Bibles, we're going to be in Galatians chapter 3, continuing on in our study. Book of Galatians, set free, live free. That is what the book is all about. Uh, I got to speak at uh, International Baptist this morning, and and, and I just told them, you know, if I could sum up the entire book of Galatians, uh, it would be a verse in Ephesians. That would sum it up. <laughs> Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, right? That, uh, we're not saved by works, but we're saved by grace. And, uh, and so, yeah, that's how I would sum up the book of Galatians. That seems to be what he's talking about the most here. And, uh, and I love this because, you know, Paul, Whenever he's writing this, you know, technology these days are is phenomenal, right? I mean, if we, uh, you know, let's say that we have a friend who uh, is struggling, you know, or whatever, um, we can pretty much pick up a phone and we can text whoever. So, you know, if we find out that, hey, you know, so-and-so is struggling with some stuff, let's let's check in on them. Uh, we can actually send them a text, say, hey, how's it going? And then we can kind of respond back and forth. Well, obviously, it's not as easy back, in, back then with that, you know, with, with what Paul is doing and everything. Like it took about maybe like a month, uh, you know, to get there, maybe then to hear word back. And then, you know, uh, sometimes even years before they would really hear anything back from things. And so whenever Paul writes the book of Galatians, he's gotta be thinking ahead. He's gotta be thinking, okay, not only what do I want to tell them, but what are some responses that they might also have as well, right? And so whenever uh, Paul is writing this, especially today, he's gonna kind of preemptive strike right now uh with what we're going to talk about today. He just finished talking about like this whole past uh, really uh, couple of chapters, He's kind of let them know that it is not by the law in which you are saved. Because if you guys remember uh, in the book of Galatians, that's what they're struggling with. It wasn't just that uh, it was just Jesus alone. Like when Paul planted the church, he said, it's Christ alone. And they said, amen. They were saved. They received the Holy Spirit. So it was a legit salvation. Uh, But then they had some people come in and try to teach them, no, it's not just Jesus. Jesus is part of it. They were known as Judaizers and they said, Jesus is part of it, but he's not all of it. The rest of it is in the law. And as you guys have put the law down, you actually need to pick up because you will not actually be saved unless not only it's from Christ, but it's also from the law as well. So these Galatians were like, this makes a lot of sense. We need to pick this up, right? So that's what they're doing. And that's when, that's why Paul had to write this letter. He's like, you guys are trusting a false gospel, not only trusting a false gospel. Now you're preaching a false gospel now, and that is detrimental. And so, uh, Paul feels it is, you know, it's his responsibility. Uh, obviously he's led by the Holy Spirit, uh, to write to them. And, uh, and, uh, and what we have is God's word. And is what was written. And, uh, and so that's what we get to look at. And he spent the last couple of chapters saying, Hey guys, it is not about the law. And he's brought up so many things. Their own personal uh, salvation. He was like, when you received the Holy Spirit, was it? through the law that you received the Holy Spirit? No, it was through it was through your faith. And the moment that you put your faith and trust in Christ, that's when you received the Holy Spirit. And then he took him back to Abraham. Remember, we've been looking at that the last couple of weeks. He said, look at your father Abraham, your patriarch Abraham, he wasn't even saved by works. His righteousness was accredited to him because he believed the gospel, because he believed whenever God told him that there was going to be a promised one come from his line that would be the hope for future generations and and abraham believed that and god's and god's word says that it was accredited to him righteousness that belief it wasn't it wasn't a works-based salvation and abraham wasn't even circumcised until after god called him righteous right so it wasn't a works-based salvation and that's what he's been talking to them about uh this whole entire time in fact uh We've this is kind of what Paul uh, has said about the purpose of what the purpose of the law is not all right. He said these things it can't bring unity. It can't bring morality. It can't justify it can't bring righteousness. It can't bring hope. It can't bring freedom. It can't bring joy. It can't bring life. It can't make a person holy. It can't satisfy God's wrath. It can't save you from judgment. It can't make us right with God. It can't absolve us from sin. It can't bring blessing, only a curse. It plays no part in salvation. It can't replace the covenant God made with Abraham. And that's everything that he said that the law is not. And so he knows. He knows they're going to come back with a question then he knows, because then they're going to say, okay, Paul, if all of these things, which we believe the law can do, it can't do. Well, then what's it for? What's the purpose of the law? Why did God give it to us? If you're saying that it can't do it, then what's the purpose in it, Paul, tell us what the purpose is. And I'm sure Paul is like, I'm glad you haven't asked yet but I know you will. And so that's why he goes on in Galatians chapter 3, verse 19. And he knows that they are going to ask this. And I'm sure it is his pleasure to say this is what the law was intended for, right? So I love this uh, section of scripture. Um, I love discovering these things because. Guys, there are a lot of people in our world today that are trusting their works for salvation. They're trusting the law for salvation. That's just what they're doing. But but God has made it so plain for us that it is not that. And not only did he say it's not just the law, he's saying, let me let me remind you what the law was for. So we can, in this room, open up God's word and we can say, oh, so if the law can't save us, then what is it for, right? Which is something that we can talk to so many people about. So make sure that we understand today what the law was for, because there are a lot of people around you, a lot of people around you that if they just believe in God, Just even believe in God, and you were to ask them, how do you believe you get to heaven whenever you die? They're going to tell you it's by being a good person. It's by doing right by people. It's by, um, and then sometimes they'll throw in, it's by believing in God. Uh, And it's also, you know, by praying, by going to church, all of those things. That's what they're going to tell you. So it's important that we're able to say, actually, that's not what those things are for. That's not why God gave us the law. That's not the purpose of it. All right. So. Let's uh, read Galatians chapter three, verse 19 through 29, and then we'll break it down together. All right, here we go. Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made. And it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. Now an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one Verse 21, is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Now, before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith is come, we are no longer under a guardian, for in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male, and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. A really big deal to them is to be an heir of the offspring of Abraham. That's a really big deal to them. And Paul just rocked their world. He said, those of you that just trust in the law, you are actually not an heir of the offspring of Abraham. It's those who believe by faith. And so he's just rocked their world. And that's why he needs to explain to them why it's the law or what the purpose of the law is. Right? So here we go. Verse 19 and 20, he says, why then the law, it was added because of transgressions until the offspring should come to whom the promise has been made. So let's talk about this for just a second. Uh, let's, use, let's use the second half first. It says, until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made. First of all, he's saying, look, it's not even a permanent thing anyways, right? The law was never meant to be permanent. It was only meant to be around until that offspring that we talked about last week, Abraham's offspring that was promised to him, The law is only going to be around until he shows up. And once he shows up, the law is no more. Why? Because he's fulfilling the law. He fulfilled it. Therefore, it is no longer around. That's what he's reminding them. It's not even meant to be there uh, after Christ has come. And so uh, then he says right there, he says, so why then the law? It was added because of transgression. All right. Notice that it says added because of trans. It was added. So it was not a replacement for the previous covenant. This covenant is just added to the previous covenant. Last week, we talked about uh, the Abrahamic covenant that God set forth and it was a done deal, but what the Jews had been doing is they had been using the Mosaic covenant as a replacement for the Abrahamic covenant but it was by faith that you're saved this whole entire time. And so it's not a replacement, but that's how they were treating it. So he has to explain to them that it wasn't a replacement. It's just added in the New Living Translation. uh, It actually says alongside. It says that it was given alongside the promise. So it's not a replacement for that original promise. It was given alongside. All right. So the law was given to complement the promise of Abraham. That's why the law was given, to complement it, all right? And it was given to support the promise. So notice what he says in verse 21. He says, is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. It is not Contrary, but they are treating the law. Like it's contrary to the, uh, covenant of Abraham. That's what they're treating it like. This is in contrary to it. It replaces it. That's not, he's saying that's not true. It is not in contrary. All right. Um, so last week I talked about how I love my kids, my kids unconditionally, right? I don't know why this thing's messing up. Um, I talked about why I love my kids unconditionally. And, I, you know, I just said it's, it's, it's just what it is. Like, we love our kids unconditionally. Nobody ever had to say whenever my kids were born, you need to love them unconditionally. And then I'm like every day going, oh, it's so hard to love them unconditionally. Like, no, I mean, is it hard sometimes to like them? Sure. But like unconditionally love them? He, I am sorry, but it's right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he's right here. Um. But uh, but is it am, is it hard to love them though? No, it's not like that's just something that happens. no matter how uh, ridiculous he acts or she acts, she's not here so I'll talk about him in front of his face. no matter how ridiculous they act, uh, I'm still going to love them, right My children do not do not look at me and doubt that I love them. They know that I do. They do look at me and they're like mm, he's upset and that's true sometimes. but they never doubt my love for them and now, as they grow and as they mature, we talked about this a little bit last week, as they grow and mature, I start giving them quote-unquote laws, right? Rules. That's what I start giving them, right? For instance, um, you know, if they start biting, I say, we don't bite, right? I have now implemented the law of no biting. That's what I've done. Uh, let's say that, um, you know, they throw a fit. <laughs> Sorry, Autumn. (laughs) Uh, Let's say that happens, right? We say, I'm sure Autumn was down there going, this is not how we act. This isn't how things go. She has implemented the law of no throwing fits, all right? That is a law that she has given. But here's the thing, that's a law that we have given our kids. But now is, is Eli, whenever I'm like, hey, these are your laws now, does he go, oh my goodness, he did unconditionally love us, but now he's given us these laws. So I guess he's changed. And I guess now it's not unconditional love anymore. It's not a promise to love us anymore. Now, I guess he'll only love us if we obey these things that he's told us to do. You see, the the rules that I give to my kids, they're not a replacement for the promise. The rules that I give my kids are a complement to the promise. That's what he's talking about here. He's saying, look, God isn't gonna change like that. He isn't just gonna say, "I promise, I promise these things by faith," and then all of a sudden change his mind. Nah, beat. Never mind. I'm just gonna give you a bunch of rules. All of a sudden, now if you follow these rules, that's whenever I'll allow you in, right? That's whenever I'll give you righteousness. Is by this, he. It's not happening that way, right? At all. So. The purpose of the rules is what we just read. He says, I have given them these rules because of transgression, because they are breaking them. I have to now implement them. I didn't have to tell my son. I don't know if you guys ever had a biting problem. I don't think you did, but this happens with kids. Um, But I didn't ever have, like if he never bit anyone, I wouldn't have to implement a biting rule. But because he bit someone, I didn't say you did. I don't think you did. Did you? Okay." Because he bit someone, I have to say, hey, we now have a law, no biting, because that's that's unacceptable behavior, right? So, if there were no one sinning, God wouldn't have to give a law. But why did he have to give a law? Because of transgression, all right? That's why he had to give a law, is to reveal to them their sin, all right? Um, so... The rules I have implemented, the rules that he has, the law that he has implemented complement the promise. All right. Whenever Michael grabs John Paul, yes, his hand yesterday, it was so funny because uh, he loves to be independent. I mean he wants to like walk around like not in the stroller he wants to be around the other kids he wants to be hanging out right and he feels so good whenever he's out of the stroller he's like running around and whenever like yesterday whenever we were leaving uh izzy's birthday party we were walking if you know prospect park they have that loop that has all the bikes you know and you have to actually go across that street well, John Paul, he doesn't want to hold nobody's hand, right? He's independent. And so they're walking a little bit ahead of us, right? And all of a sudden, uh, you know, Mike is like, all right, like he's taking off like to, towards the deal. And, and I know everybody's kind of nervous, like, ah. Oh. And then Mike tries to grab his hand, but he's like, no, I do not want to hold anyone's hand. But he's not, Mike, or Jay, John Paul's not looking to the right. He's not looking to the left. He's not going, is anyone coming? I don't see any bicycles. John Paul is just like, let's go. Let's get across the street, right? But the thing is, is he doesn't ever, whenever Mike grabs his hand and Mike is holding him and getting him across, right? What's the purpose of him doing that? It's for protection. That's the whole thing. That's what the law is for. And we're going to get to that here in just a minute about how it's a guardian. And I love the picture that Paul paints here. It's really awesome. And it really helps us to understand that the law is a great thing to have. It really is. It was a really, really great thing to have so that we can know God better. But he doesn't say, you know, grab my hand or I won't love you. He's saying, grab my hand because I love you. That's what he's saying to him. And that's the same thing that God is doing with the law. So part of keeping a promise to love your kids includes giving them a law, teaching them what is right and wrong, what is harmful to your life and what is helpful. And that picture will be painted for us again, greater in just a moment. Uh, So God would not implement something. And we kind of talked about this. God would not implement something that contradicts a promise he made. And that's how they're treating it. And, uh, and so look what he says uh, in the rest of verse 21 right there. He says, if the law could give us new life, we could be made right with God by obeying it. So if someone, he's saying, so if someone can be saved by obeying the law, then God contradicted himself. And God doesn't do that, all right? It was as if God had one plan, but then all of a sudden decided, nah, that one's not really working out. I uh, think I'll make another one, right? That's not how God works. He's omniscient and he knows everything uh, and he is completely sovereign, all right? Um, so, uh, that's not God's character. It's not God's nature. Um, and he is a sovereign God. So, he gave the law not as a contradiction or a replacement to the promise. He gave it as a complement to the promise. Let's look at uh, verse 22, right? Um, and he says, but the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin. So we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. That word prisoner right there paints a really, really great picture. Like whenever, whenever we read the word prisoner, right, we automatically just assume our own prison system. And that's what we picture in our mind. The picture that he's trying to paint here is actually being shut in on all sides and there's no way to get out. Like there is no escaping. There's no out for that. All right. So that word is just a person that has no escape, no chance of release. And so trusting the law, I said this this morning as well um, at International, but trusting the law for release would be like a death row inmate cleaning toilets in hopes of being released. That's just not going to happen. You can't do that. The law cannot help you be released from that prisoner that you are of sin. No matter how much, no matter how good you are, no matter how many of the laws you obey, it's never going to make up for the sin that you've committed against God. Even just one, it's not going to make up for it. All right. So he goes on. Um, well, the, uh, and he's saying the only way to be uh, released from the prison of sin is by putting your faith and trust in Christ. Uh, Verse 23, he goes on. He says before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, all right, before it was taught to us, we were placed under guard by the law. We were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed. Let me put it another way, the law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith, and now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as our guardian. All right? So. In Scripture, uh, it's important to dig a little bit deeper so that you can understand maybe some phrases and discover if there are any cultural relevances that you have uh, that will help you understand this a little deeper and a little better. And we actually have that, which is awesome. Um, and so, how was this intended to be understood? Because we, when we think of guardian, uh, you know, whenever we think of you know things like that, we might all have different ideas of what that is. So, what is he talking about specifically? So, in this culture there was something called a pedagogos. Everybody say pedagogos. That's kind of a tough word, right? Pedagogos, all right? And uh, this Greek word is translated guardian in this passage, all right? Uh, A pedagogos was a slave that was in charge of taking care of the male heir of the family inheritance, all right? So you've got this, you know, uh, the the son of the family, the firstborn, he's the heir of the family. The family, what they do is they hire one of their slaves. They get one of their slaves to go and to take care of that child, take him to school. Make sure that they're fed, uh, make sure that they're okay. They basically hang out with them all the way up until the age where they no longer need them, all right? And it's a specific age that they age out. And so this Pedagogos was in charge of doing that. He was in an essence like the guardian of that child. And the parents trusted that child with the Pedagogos, all right? But was, was the slave higher in rank than the child? not necessarily yet but the child was under the care of and had to follow the direction of the pedagogos but whenever they came out of the care they were now the slave would now be under them right so it was it was a weird thing but it's important that we know that to understand this a little bit better okay um so they made sure they were fed washed school work was done everything responsible going to and from school so um let's see all right, so this is what Paul was saying was the function of the law, okay, because he's relating this pedagogos to the law. So, let me ask you guys a question. Am I under the laws of my parents anymore? When Eli turns 18, is he still under the law of his parents necessarily, right? Oh, Tamara said up until 21, okay, all right, that's cool, yeah, okay, just keep upping it, yeah, no, I get it, uh, yeah, no, technically no, right, at 18 here, um, you are now an adult, you are now responsible, now, biblically, should he still respect his parents, absolutely, but he's not under the law of his parents anymore. He would be, uh, he'd be aged out. He would be 18. Okay. So he wouldn't necessarily do that. I wasn't under them whenever I was eight, whenever I turned 18 and, um, I'm supposed to, at that point, be able to guide myself. We're praying that at the age of 18, everything we've taught him, he will be able to function in society as a normal person, all right, Uh, and make good choices. So the purpose, all right, the purpose of my laws that I have for my kid and the purposes of the laws my parents had for me was to teach me, they were to protect me, they were to prepare me, and they were to guide me to an understanding of something, all right? This is so huge to understand what the law was given for, because my, just like my, my rules are meant to do that. And the something in this case would be an understanding of what is acceptable and non-acceptable behavior uh, so that he can be a successful member of society. The pedagogos was placed in charge of the heir to teach him, prepare him, protect him, and guide him until he was able to take care of himself. He was too immature at that point to take care of himself, and he needed help. The law served a similar purpose. So now we're going to read this scripture again with the understanding of what a pedagogos is. All right. So verse 23, it says before the way of faith in Christ was available to us. In other words, before we understood faith in Christ, we were placed under guard by the law. So the law he's saying was our pedagogos, right? Preparing us. We were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed to them personally. He says, let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. And now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as our guardian. All right. So you and I need to be made right with God by faith, but we can't just discover that on our own. We need something to show us that that's what we need. We will never come to just, I'm never just sitting around, I never was sitting around on my own and just going, you know what, I'm a sinner. I need to be saved. I need to come to faith in Christ. I needed something to show me that I was that. I needed a guardian. I needed a pedagogos to say, hey, Greg, this is what you need to do. I'm teaching you what you are so that whenever you are mature, you will no longer need me anymore. And that maturity is faith in Christ. That's the purpose of the law. The law is the guardian that leads us and guides us to an understanding of just how sinful we are. I didn't know how sinful I was until it was for the law. And Paul says something similar. Without the law, you and I would still be sinners, but we wouldn't fully understand to what degree, all right? Because our conscience does bear witness that we are sinners. Like God has placed it within us to know what is right and what is wrong. So no matter what, we're still guilty, right? But we wouldn't know how guilty we actually were unless the law was given to us and paul says in romans 7 7 it was the law that showed me my sin i would never have known that coveting is wrong if the law had not said you must not covenant same thing as a kid right we talked about the biting analogy they wouldn't know that it was wrong unless somebody said hey that's wrong and so that is what the law was given humanity is in big trouble with god they know it in their conscience but they also know to what degree they are in trouble because God, and listen to this, because people are like, Oh, the law, it's such a burden, but God has graciously and mercifully given us his law to show us to what degree we're sinful so that we will run to a savior so that we will chase after salvation. The law didn't annul the promise, but it shows us our need for it in greater clarity. Listen to this. The law doesn't make us sinners. It just reveals to us that we already are okay. So, if we are to trust in a savior, we need to be shown our need for one. And to understand our need for one, we need something that puts our sin on display. Something that exposes our sinful heart. All right. There is, like I said, a popular belief that the law makes us better people. That's what it's for. It makes us better people. That following it makes us better and therefore puts us in a better standing before God. But the truth is, God didn't give it to make didn't give it to us to make people better. All right. That's not the purpose of the law. Oh, these people need to be better. I'm going to give them this law. So now they can follow it. And now they can be better people. That's not the reason. Although it does serve a purpose of leading us into a better moral life, a better God honoring life. Okay. And a better lifestyle. It actually was given to show us how bad we are. It, if you think about it, the law doesn't make us better. It actually makes us worse. Does it make sense? We can't trust the law and say, Oh, I want to be better. I'm going to follow the law. The more we know about the law, the worse we become. So it actually makes us worse. So it was given to humble us. It was given to frighten us and to drive us to seek grace. If I were to go out on the street, you know, right now and to people that were walking by and I were to say, guys, there is a nuclear warhead fallout station under the church. We all need to get into the church. And I'm out there, and I'm like, guys, there's there's a shelter under the church. We all need to go under the church. All of us, come on. You know what New York City would do? They would file me with the crazies. All right, They would say, this guy right here doesn't know what he's talking about. And they would just ignore me. But here's the thing. If all of a sudden, over the airwaves, we found out that there was a nuclear missile headed this way, And everyone's freaking out. And I run out into the street and I say, Hey, everyone, we have a shelter. What's going to happen then they're all going to flock to it. Every single one of them is going to flock to it. So here's the point. The law is the missile and grace is the shelter. That's the purpose of the law. It's a missile pointed straight at us saying, you are in big trouble. And we're supposed to then go, what do we do? We see that we're in trouble. We've gotten the news flash. We've, we understand now. We've looked into law. I've broken this one, this one, this one, this one, this one. All of these laws, right? I've broken them. I understand that I'm a sinner. I understand that I will not be Uh, righteous. I understand that I will not make it to heaven. God, what do I need to do? And that's the purpose of grace. Grace is the shelter that we run to and we say, oh, thank you, Jesus, for dying for our sins. It was never meant to be a burden. It wasn't ever supposed to be a burden following Christ. Christ is our rescue. He is our refuge. And he's a refuge from the curse of the law which is what we kind of talked about a little bit last week. All right. But once we come to an understanding, we no longer need the law. It has served its purpose. We no longer need it right now, just as the air still had a relationship with the pedagogos, right? We still have a relationship with the law, but now instead of being under it, respect it and are grateful for the maturity and understanding it brought us to. So does the air still do what the pedagogos taught him to do? Well, sure. Yeah, hopefully my kids still do what I taught them to do, right? Hopefully, but from a different perspective, from an understanding and maturity and now willingly, I asked Eli this before uh, church today, you know, I'm going through a message and I said, <laughs> I freaked him out. <laughs> I didn't mean to, but I freaked him out, but uh, I walked up to him and I was like, Eli, why do I give you rules? And he was like, uh to follow. And I was like, yeah, but why? Uh, Because I'm supposed to do them. Yeah, but why? And then he's like, am I in trouble? And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I, I'm just asking. Do you understand why I give you the? And then Tamara was sitting in the chair right next to him. And she was like, we all thought he was in trouble just now. All right. You need a different way to say things. <laughs> I was like, no, my bad, my bad. Well, and then I turned to Ellie, and I was like, what's the purpose? Why do I give you guys rules, right? And, uh, and Eli and Ellie both said, well, um, well, Eli went really deep into it. He was like, so that we understand how to act so that we understand how to, you know, what's the right and wrong thing to do so that whenever we are on our own, we will actually know what to do. And I was like, that's really good. And uh, what did Ellie say? She said, uh, to protect us. That was her, that was her answer to protect us. And I was like, that's it. That's it. That's the whole purpose of the law. And you see the, the law is some scary thing to some people and it should be for an unbeliever. It should be a scary thing, but it's not a scary thing. <laughs> It was there by the grace of God to show us that we need Jesus. So I am super grateful for the law. It didn't replace anything, but for some reason, people picked it up and were just like, this must be how we're saved. We, we've got to follow it. This is how it's supposed to be. And so they created this whole religion based around following the law for salvation. And Jesus came and said, that's not why I gave it. Paul is reiterating that's not why it was given. And so why was it given? He explains it to them in a really, really beautiful way. All right. So if you're trying to follow the law or some set of rules for salvation, it's going to leave you feeling helpless. And that's what it was designed to do. All right. So uh, we are to understand our need for a savior through the law. Um, And then he finishes out and uh, we'll, we'll close out with this. He finishes out in verse 26 uh, through 29. He says, for if, for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. All right. There was a uh, inferiority rank among uh, the Jews. In fact, they would stand and they would pray things out loud like, God, thank you for not making me a Gentile. Thank you for making me a Jew. And they would actually yell that out loud. And the purpose of this whole passage right here, Paul's reminding them, because remember Peter struggled with this. We looked at it in chapter two, Peter was actually decided, Hey, I'm going to stop eating with the Gentiles because he's a Jew. He's like, I'm going to stop eating with the Gentiles. He was putting himself in higher rank. He was saying, you are less than because you are not a Jew. And what Paul is saying right here is he's saying, and just remember that through Christ, there is no slave. There is no free. No one's better than anyone else. There's no male. There is no female. There's no ranking system. He's like, there's no Jew. There's no Gentile. Everyone that belongs to Jesus Christ, they're all on the same playing field. They're all on the same level. And what are they? They're sons and daughters of God. That's what we are. And not one person is better than the other. No one is a greater son or a greater daughter. We're all just sons and daughters of God. And that's how we're to treat one another. And, uh, and so that's what he reminds them of. And he wanted to make sure that they understood, uh, that. So, um, so that's, that's what this section of scripture is for. And maybe you've read it before, uh, it can be a little bit confusing. And so I'm glad we have the chance to kind of break it down, uh, you know, to, to really kind of talk about it. So, you know, one thing that I love about the book of Galatians, it's, it really prepares us to be amazing ambassadors for Christ. Because as we study this, um, not only does it teach us more about how we're saved, right? It teaches us how to share the gospel. It teaches us, um, you know, to be more confident about the gospel. But then it also teaches us then what, you know, what was the purpose of the law? Because it's, it's, it's beautiful. Whenever God had Paul write the book of Galatians. Yes, he was writing it to a specific audience, but God is so sovereign that he knew you and I would need to hear these things as well. Because what are the chances that the number one way that people think you get to heaven is by being a good person? And this completely is relevant to what we live in today. Completely relevant. Like reading just these three chapters in galatians has prepared us to be able to talk to someone about how we are saved by grace through faith alone and not by works and now we can explain to them let me explain to you what what works were given for they were never meant to save and if you want to get real and deep you can say and let's talk about the covenant of abraham just for a moment right (laughs) they want to get into that but uh but i love that's what i love about this book and so look You know, again, I don't wanna ever assume that everybody in the room is saved, but uh, so if you're not, then obviously uh, this is it. This is the answer, like this is how uh, that you're saved. But for those of us that are, this is how we can become greater ambassadors for the gospel. And I hope that we are emboldened by what we've been reading in Galatians so far to be able to go and confidently share, right? Cause I kind of talked about it this morning a little bit that, uh, again, the number one reason people don't share is because they're afraid they won't know what to say. Like they're not smart enough. So to say, um, about what to say, but if we just open it up and we look at this, man, God just gives us everything we need to know to have those conversations. So I'm praying that all of us can be more bold in sharing the gospel and confident in what we're saying. Um, and so, uh, obviously all of these are online as well. If you need to go back and listen a little bit more and, and, and and to look into these a little bit more uh, on your own, you certainly can. And I hope that uh, whenever you're having conversations with people, I hope that this is a help for you. I hope that you're able to have those conversations. Thank you for listening. For more information about our church, please visit our website at hopecommunitynyc.com.